Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here. Outkick 360. Happy Friday to you. Hutton and Withrow from 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Getting you ready for the NFL postseason playoffs kicking off tomorrow. Seattle and San Francisco get things going on Fox 4.30 Eastern, followed by Chargers Jags. Your slate for Sunday. Dolphins at Bills. That's the 1 o'clock Eastern start. 4.30 again for Fox for the Giants and the Vikings, Ravens, Bengals on Sunday night football, Dallas at Tampa for Monday night football. The quarterback matchups and the opportunity for some either to quiet the critics or to rise to the next level always fascinates me this time of year, Chad, because you've got Brock Purdy starting his first playoff game, 6-0 and as the quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers, a team that has won 10 straight games. And they have plenty of reasons to think that they're making a run. But to do so, they'll be doing it with the final pick in the NFL draft Crazy. from last April. And April slash May. And you go in thinking that and knowing that they lost Trey Lance, they lucked into, really keeping Garoppolo around. He stays, gets hurt. Purdy comes in, and on 170 pass attempts, he completes 114 of those for nearly 1,400 yards. He's passed for 13 touchdowns. He's rushed for another. I believe he only has four picks. This is a, a QB playing at a high level. Yeah, he's a rookie. But this uh, the, the perception that he's going to go in and just, you know... Uh, fall and you know stumble over his first playoff performance I I can't wait to watch this game based on that assumption that many are trying to make the playoffs are different well I mean he's playing a, an opponent that he's seen in Seattle and oh by the way in the two previous games this season I get it it's tough to beat an opponent three times in the same year in the two previous games this season the 49ers defense allowed one offensive touchdown in those two games to Seattle so he, I think he has a chance to get off to a great start. And then you have uh, the, the opposite side, Prescott. Dak Prescott enters the postseason under the most scrutiny, under the most pressure based on expectation of not just being the Dallas quarterback, but being the quarterback that they've invested in, who's back, that has thrown you know, the highest percentage of interceptions based on pass attempts this season and has... A, a pick in 11 of, what, the 14 games he's played in? The 13 games he's played in? Or may, no, maybe he's played in 11. He's thrown a pick in nine, or at least one. It's not good. And he can single-handedly get them out of the postseason by allowing Tampa to stay in the game. Let me tell you a little something about Brock Purdy. That is a dude that is playing like he is playing with house money. Mm-hmm. And it's because he is playing with house money. Yes. I mean, the, the fact that he is Mr. Irrelevant... And he is out there doing what he's done, Hutton. I think uh, there are certain guys who get their chance. And you could tell they're pressing a bit. 
right? You know, they're kind of, you know, I, well, I don't want to mess this up. Or the coordinator's this is calling my big something because he, he needs to play to the strengths, and the strengths are very minimal. Yeah. Right? Now, Shanahan runs his offense through this guy. Like, so uh, knowing that, do you, do you think Shanahan goes in the postseason knowing it's his first postseason start, and he tries to dial it back a bit? I don't. But, I mean, he, they have the roster to do it. I think the nation begins to remember that San Francisco has Christian McCaffrey again starting tomorrow, too. Yeah, I think scared money don't make money. And I think if anyone knows that, it's Kyle Shanahan. I think he calls plays like that with Brock yeah. Purdy. And I just, Brock Purdy strikes me as this personality type that's not scared. He's in there to let it rip. He feels like he's already won. He's not playing scared. His players trust him. The His playoffs aren't him. going to be. Now, he could run up against a defense that's got a great plan. That affects him big time, and he doesn't look good. But I don't think it's going to be anything to do with his mindset or him being nervous or scared or timid in a playoff setting. That, that's the way I feel about Brock Purdy. Now, he may not be good enough, right? He just He's not the talent of some of these guys. So if they really need him to bail them out of a game and play big, he, he may not be that quarterback to do it. But it's not going to be because – He's not out there letting it rip, and he's not playing with house money because he is. It wasn't a playoff matchup, but in week, what was it, 17, they were down 10 to Vegas, and Purdy rallied them back to get to overtime, and then Bosa made a, a big force, uh, sack fumble that then set them up for the game-winning field goal uh, in, in overtime. I, I can't wait to watch him play. I'm really intrigued by the Trevor Lawrence-Justin Herbert matchup in Jacksonville. So you got young quarterbacks with a chance to really grab some of the attention this weekend on Saturday. And then Sunday, the Giants, who are 2-5-1 and one down the stretch of the season, are a, a public favorite against the Minnesota Vikings, who have not given up a fourth-quarter overtime advantage all season. But it's the low score, and you mentioned it being a great game, and I, I'm with you. Uh, Minnesota does nothing but play close games. The Giants, same thing. You know, they rarely are scoring more than 24, maybe 26 in some cases, but not upwards of what Minnesota can hit. But the Vikings' defense will allow you to come back and stay in it. I mean, they, they're 31st in yards allowed. They're 29th in points allowed. And Daniel Jones, is he's won over that job again. No one would have predicted that, including the New York Giants, who didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And now they're going to end up either, either franchise tagging him or, or keeping him around with what's been a great uh, coaching performance by Brian Dayball. Uh, Ravens-Bengals, again, third-time matchup. Ravens defense on average, they allow 15.8 points per game over their last 11 games. So you give them another opportunity to game plan. They'll know the Bengals better than anyone this could be much closer than what people are expecting. Even though the Bengals have won 12 of their last 14 and they're winners of eight straight. Hutton, you had mentioned um, you think that either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert is not going to show up in this game. Yeah, I think one comes out flat. Or comes out flat, doesn't play well, and ends up losing. Who's the most likely of the two to do that? Probably Trevor Lawrence. Uh, because well, I agree based on his play against the Titans. Yeah, yeah, and, and his play against the Titans. So he's... He's done really well over the stretch. Great. Like 14, 15 touchdowns. But he hasn't thrown a touchdown in a handful of those at all. Right? They've been very... And some of it, too, is he's getting them in position, and then Travis Etienne 
punches it home, right? ETN is a star. I mean, they, they trade away James Robinson to the Jets, and ETN is the true number one back, and he's taken off. So I still think there's a way that they can win even without Lawrence's best, and that's mainly because the Chargers' defense is so bad against the run. But, yeah, I think of the two, I would, I would bet on Lawrence coming out flat more than Herbert, but I think both could. And both could just take off and have a great game, too. Let's expand that out. Of the quarterbacks starting this weekend that aren't backups, that we expect to probably not perform well. And I'm looking at, you know, yeah. Skylar Thompson, Tyler Huntley, first and foremost, Brock Purdy to a lesser degree, but he's got a better surrounding cast and a better system for him, who for his not play. Backups. Guys who are not backups, who's the most likely to fail miserably? I have a very clear answer. It's Dak Prescott. Yes, or Kirk Cousins. That's probably 1B on my list. Kirk Cousins, first half indie Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and may, maybe in that same game, put Daniel Jones on that list could, too. Yeah, could. Um, yeah. My answer is Dak Prescott, though. And yeah, because it's boomer bust. But the thing is, even when he throws picks, they put up thirty plus. Yeah, he, he well, he has not been great in the playoffs. Right? Was it no. last year they had the the weird gaff at the end of the game against yeah. the Forty ers Yeah, and they were the it was high, last year's playoffs. They were the most penalized team in the league too. So they're very undisciplined, even though they had the number one offense in scoring, uh, leading the league. So they if they lean on the run, they'll win this game. That's I mean, it sounds easy. I just think they're too tempted to spin it. They need to turn around and hand it off. Well, he's going to have to make plays. I mean, it's sure. not just going to be just hand off and, and you know, run it the whole time and, and win. But the um, Bucks need to throw it 50 times. Yeah. I just think it's going to have to be Brady. Two things will have to happen for the Bucks to pull off the upset. Brady to Evans is a real thing throughout the game and making some big plays. And the defense is great. And that, that's the thing that's most likely to happen to me. Defense can affect... Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, not great in playoff situations, makes a couple big mistakes, opens the door for Brady to make some big plays to Mike Evans, and the Bucs win the game. Prescott, highest interception percentage in the league, averaging a pick every 26 pass attempts. And he's thrown one pick in nine of his, at least one pick in nine of 11 starts. But Brady, uh, making his 20th playoff appearance, it's the lowest touchdown percentage of his career, his lowest yards per attempt average in two decades. But they have found that the momentum needed and they're as healthy as possible right now uh, because Mike Evans is back. They connected on their last meaningful game that won and punched their ticket to the playoffs. And, I mean, you can't, I, I can't, I don't know, I say you, I can't bet against Brady in the postseason in the wild card round. Really difficult for me to do that. So I'm taking the Bucks money line. I, that was one of my upset one. picks. I, yeah, you've got Jags and Bucks. Um, I, I think those are both good. I, I still think Jags most likely to pull off the upset, but I could see it happening. And uh, the Cowboys, by the way, a league high 33 takeaways. And they're second in turnover differential at plus 10. The Bucks need extra possessions. Dak Prescott will at least, I think he throws at least one pick. The question is, can Tampa... Just muddy the water. Can they fog up this game to make it a Ryan suck up fourth quarter? That's the, I mean, that's bit, that, that's why they're in the playoffs. They're down nine, 10, 12 points, and Brady brings them back. The difference is, I think the Cowboys, if they win, this is a blowout. And if they lose, this is 
probably the ugliest football game of the weekend. You asked me earlier, Hutton, I'll ask you, which game are you most looking forward to watching this weekend? I mean, it's surprisingly, it's Jacksonville, L.A. Really? Yeah. Because I think... One, I mean, the Chargers are the hot pick going into the season. The Jags were an afterthought, and now it's flipped with the the sentiment of where these two teams are headed and the coaches and what they've done. And the Chargers, surprisingly, even though they were the favorite to win their division based on voting, um, I think they can sneak up, sneak up on teams this year the same way Cincinnati did last year. I Jacksonville think- could... I, Jacksonville, to me, is missing just uh, one or two elements on defense. The The Chargers should be at that level now, and everyone thought the Bengals would be at that level this year, not last year, and they went on the road and won some games and surprised some people. Here's what worries me about the Chargers. It's the opposite of the Brock Purdy effect. I don't think Brock Purdy's feeling any pain or any pressure right now in these games. He's going to let it rip. He's playing with house money. I feel like the pressure is all on the Chargers. I think it's all on Justin Herbert, who's got a year head start. Probably you could argue a two-year head start based on Trevor Lawrence having to play under Urban Meyer for a season, and that's a mulligan year. But in terms of development in the league, Herbert's got a, a, a year to two-year, how you view the Urban Meyer year for Lawrence, jump on him. Uh, that's the team that coming into the last two seasons, a lot of people picked to do some big things. They're now in the tournament with a chance to make noise. They're a road favorite. Brandon Staley's got some pressure on him also. I still think Trevor Lawrence is most likely to not play well in this game and for the Jags to lose. Yeah. But if you're looking at the pressure factor, there's some pressure on, on Herbert and Staley in this game. Well, and think about this too, just from the L.A. perspective. The Rams are coming off their Super Bowl win. Sean McVay is staying after this season. He's staying. Uh, that announced earlier today through... Uh, him through the team and you have the chargers who can now be the hot team in la now they don't have great attendance compared to what the rams have but they can be the next team that takes off on the run because stafford's banged up the rams have traded away their draft picks you know they've got the super bowl ring to point to they open up their stadium and you know they're the landlord but the chargers now with the young quarterback taking advantage of a cap friendly quarterback contract have the chance to grab hold of that mantle in that city. They can be the hot team. The Lakers suck. The Rams suck. Yeah, and the Dodgers the, don't. But Right, but the, you have a chance to go on a playoff run, and you, albeit you're a, a, a five seed, the chances of you actually hosting a game are not good. You can captivate a, that side of the, of the AFC pretty quickly and, and take over the same narrative the Rams had a year ago. But and they have the quarterback to do it. Do they have the head coach to do it? He's very good with his gambling when it comes to trying to keep up with offenses that are trying to put up fifty on you. Uh, does he gamble too much in times where he doesn't have to chase the scoreboard? Because I don't think Jacksonville's an offense where you have to. Uh, oh, we need to go for it here on fourth down, not settle for the field goal because they're about to score on our defense. Chargers have to be able to stop this Jacksonville offense. And I'm not so certain they can come up with a game plan that will because this is back-to-back years where they can't stop the run. They're awful at it. The Chargers have a chance to be the most successful NFL franchise in that city. I'm hard-pressed to believe they'll ever truly take over 
uh, because of the dynamics with the city of San Diego and everyone there viewing that still as San Diego's well, team. I mean, and from not a LA's winning, team. So think about it though. Like, yeah, you I mean, trade I think they have a chance every... to be the team that wins for the foreseeable future as opposed to the Rams. I just I feel the same way that I do about the Angels with the Dodgers. You know, they could even be much better than the Dodgers. They're not. But they could be much better than the Dodgers for five to ten years. Yeah. And I don't know how much it's it moves the, the needle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just simply because that is a, you know, Lakers, Dodgers, Rams town. But they right haven't now. mortgaged their future for one year the same way the Rams did. Yeah. You know, and so sustainability is more likely with them, but they've got to be able to get through the glass ceiling that sits in front of them right now. This is the year to do it. And they're favored by nearly a field goal on the road in the AFC. So Vegas is saying that they should go in and win. I think the pressure's on them. No doubt. I, I think that there's not a lot of pressure yep. on the Jags right now, the way they closed the season. Yeah. And looked like they were out of it to win the division, and they won it the final week of the season. To me, it kind of feels like the Jags won their playoff game last week on Saturday night hmm. against the Titans when they won that AFC South championship game. But I, I – I need to see – I still am of the belief with Staley and Herbert. I've seen it down the backstretch where they've done some great things. Herbert's a, good, a great talent. There's no doubt. They need to win this game. They're favored on the road. They need to go to Jacksonville and win this game. I think they're the better team. So that's where I see the pressure on, on the Chargers. And Vegas agrees with me that yeah. they're the better team. And I'm with you on the playoff win last, year, last week Excuse me for, for Jacksonville because I think the sentiment is it's still year one for Trevor Lawrence because of the disaster – that was his rookie year with yeah, Urban Meyer. This is a Meyer. bonus. This is a bonus year for them right now. Uh, not a bonus year for Kyler Murray or for Zach Wilson. We'll discuss why they're in the headlines uh, due to comments made by people within their individual organizations. And then Dane Bradshaw is about to join us in 15 minutes where we will talk all things SEC and college hoops. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad, uh, Zach Wilson, I think a foregone conclusion, he's going to be out in New York. Yes. But, you know, based on the comments of Robert Sala, you would think, oh, maybe not because they, they still have faith or uh, they want to develop. They're still in the process of all that. But Woody Johnson, I mean, it appears he's done with uh, Zach Wilson faster than what he's done normally with with uh, coaches that he's fired. But the key takeaway, Rich Samini tweeted this out, key takeaway from Woody Johnson's media availability um, is that the quarterback position is the franchise's quote-unquote missing piece. And the question was, are you willing to spend big for a veteran quarterback? Absolutely, was Johnson's answer. No matter the cost, We've got a cap, so there is an amount you can spend. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of the missing piece. That's the quote. And I bring this up and see this story, Chad. Literally, what, uh, 12 hours, 14 hours after you threw out 
a great option for the Jets in free agency slash trade. Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I mentioned earlier, but I, I, I watched a video of Clay Travis arguing Derek Carr to the NFC. Right, and I, he's right. An NFC team, he's right about that. It would, it would, we'd have a different perception of Derek Carr you know, if he wasn't yeah. in the same division as Patrick Mahomes for these years, or mm-hmm. he wasn't in the AFC with that crowded lot of quarterbacks with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, and the list goes on, he would look a lot different in the NFC. I think the Jets make a lot of sense. He's got some great leadership qualities, really good dude. He's got the talent. He's got the experience. That's a team that needs that. He's not, even though he left the team when he was benched, he's not a guy that's going to go away from the team, I think, you know, in terms of that was a a pretty unique situation. But um, I think he would be great for that locker room, great for that team. Could make a lot of sense for the Jets. Now, with what Woody Johnson is saying, I, I wouldn't cross any of those possibilities off the list. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, possibly. I mean, go down the list of veteran quarterbacks that might either be, you know, traded, cut, seeking a different option. I think all those guys are are a possibility right now for the Jets. And, and I mean, they should spin big. They have an incredible defense. They have multiple weapons. It's, it's really the opposite of the Giants, but the Giants are the better team. They, young, young receivers, you've got uh, talent coming back off injury at running back. I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons to point to. It is, the, it is the missing piece. It always is. But in this case, you plug in the right vet, and they can win immediately in New York. As crazy as that sounds, the longest playoff drought in the NFL belongs to the New York Jets. And I'm sitting here saying they are a veteran quarterback away from being really good. Yeah, the, the biggest issue, I think, for the Jets is, I, I believe from a roster standpoint, they're still pretty clearly third in the AFC East. I, I would put them with the right quarterback ahead of the Patriots, possibly. You could argue oh, yeah, with that. Me too. But, I mean, Dolphins, if Tua gets back and is healthy, well, I don't, they can compete with the Dolphins, but, I mean, we know what the Bills are yeah, right now. I, I think Miami, man, with the concussion stuff, Miami with a veteran is also really Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, yeah, they're third, but they're they're, a playoff caliber team. With Derek Carr or the good version of Aaron Rodgers, it's very easy to argue for them as the second best team. They'll compete for that spot. They're not the Bills, but with the right quarterback, could they be better than Miami and New England? I think absolutely. I would still probably, just in the hierarchy, put them behind the Dolphins slightly. But, I mean, I, I think there's a good argument with them in New England moving forward. I don't know if Mac Jones is really the answer for the Patriots long-term. Well, they've done him a disservice, though, with the way they, they handle have, the offense. Certainly, and I think hiring you know, Bill O'Brien, let's say, will help them a lot. But they haven't helped him out at all. But I still don't know, even if he had the right coordinator, if he is the guy. Agreed. So there could be some fluidity there within the AFC East in that part of the division. So why not the Jets? But, of course, we've been asking that for a long time. Dane Bradshaw joins us in a matter of minutes. Yeah, you're right. Um, Kyler Murray. Why not the Cardinals? Well, because of Kyler Murray. Um, and the, the recent example, we, we knew he was frustrated this time last year with Arizona. This go-around, this offseason, Cliff Kingsbury's out. Remember, they, sh- they share the agent. Kingsbury's fired. Um, he wanted the extension. They gave it to him. They gave the coach and the GM the extension as well. They're about to hire the new GM, then their next head coach. Um, and Mike Silver, who has player connections throughout the league, 
had an unnamed Cardinals vet who was quoted in this report that's making circles on Kyler Murray. And, you know, there, there were reports that Kyler Murray, with uh, those within the organization, were tired of dealing with his attitude and his study habits and everything. The clause, the four hours a week clause. Well, here's the quote from the unnamed Cardinals vet to Mike Silver. It was like they created a monster. And I laughed at that when I read this today. But, you know, the, the details of the unnamed player claiming that once Kyler got paid, he didn't seem eager to do the things that are expected out of franchise quarterbacks, including studying the game plan. Now, the key here is once Kyler got paid, this is the same storyline from last year before Kyler Murray got it paid. It was in the contract. You know, that was the knock on right. him was he wasn't studying the way he so, should be studying. But the, the surprise at this, I think, before that it he got, got worse, is after the surprise. he got paid, this happened. No, 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 no. The re, those within the organization were leaking stuff out on him before he got paid on this. And how quickly we forget things just based on a headline of the following offseason. This was a. It, he's, it's going to take a while with his, his rehab from the ACL. He is absolutely talented. But is he a true franchise quarterback? Is he a true leader of a locker room? We have not seen that yet. And the next head coach, I, you know, it, they're hiring the GM first based on what ownership has said. If that's true, do you buy into the fact that the next head coach is brought in for Kyler Murray? Or is this another situation, much like Cliff Kingsbury, where and they've already paid the guy, unlike Josh Rosen, where the new head coach comes in with a top-five pick. Kingsbury had number one. They've got three. And you can go after a potential quarterback with the number one overall selection in the first round for, for the, the Cardinals. Not the number one overall. Their first-round selection. Look, we know Mike Silver, uh, good dude. He's yeah. got a lot of good connections. So I buy that he's talking to someone that's a veteran with the Cardinals, and this is a legit sure. oh, claim yeah. by them. I think um, this is a real quote. I'm way, not saying that. There's way too much smoke around Kyler Murray to just dismiss it. Uh, the whole thing with the contract, and then they're trying to, oh, no, he's fine, great, model quarterback, this and that. And I watch – here's the problem I have with assessing Kyler Murray. I watch him play, and to me he looks like a guy who doesn't study the game plan when they're playing. He looks like a guy who's just freelancing – when he's playing the game. But I also don't know. They just fired Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury's offense looked like that. So is that a Cliff Kingsbury problem? Is that a Kyler Murray problem? How much of it also is Kyler Murray is such a natural playmaker within the game? He kind of is a draw-it-up-in-the-dirt type guy. Let's go do something. And I'm going to move around and find the open guy. How much of it is that, too? So yeah. what's, the, what's the ratio of doesn't study to, well, he's just naturally a guy who's going to freelance, like Patrick Mahomes, but not as good at it, to it was Cliff Kingsbury's fault with the offense. That, that's what we don't know, but I think there's too much of this where people are questioning his work ethic to not lend it some credence. Well, the, the whole created a monster thing, I don't know how they've created this. Because they, they end up paying, it's a five-year, like $240 million deal, but... I think 190 was guaranteed, and now they've got their guy coming off an ACL, 
right? So there's, well, there's all these questions, but I don't know how you create that. I think you draft that. And that same guy, by the way, last year started 7-0. They were the last unbeaten team in the league. And they were putting up some big numbers. He was MVP caliber talk halfway through the season. You can hit us up on social at Outkick360. Dave, are we good? Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. All right. Dane Bradshaw is, is with us. He joins us to talk some SEC and college hoops. Dane, good to see you, man. Uh, thanks for joining us, no matter the situation or, or the, uh, the Dane, interstate. Dane's on his way to Knoxville right now. Join us. This is perfect. That's right. I got, I got a smile on my face because uh, more important than the Kentucky-Tennessee game was my fifth-grade St. Jude Saints game today where we came out with a victory. Nice. So, nice. you know, that's winner. Love it. As the coach of a, uh, a, a first and second grade girls basketball uh, team for Mount Juliet Christian Academy, we won a game 10 to 4 last Saturday, and I was ecstatic, Dane. A lot of defense being played in that game, in that 10 to 4 <laughs> win. So, you know, all about, I feel like fifth grade boys basketball would just be a, a, a huge hey, bonus to me to 10, be able to coach that. Hey, 10, 10 to 4 sounds like a lot of offense in that game. You know, yeah, true. That's right. A lot of jump balls at that age. Good hustle. <laughs> good job. Jump ball. Jump ball. We'll check back in with Dane. Uh, we'll get. We'll, we'll try get, to reconnect, get a better yeah. connection with Dane as he's uh, as he's driving right now. The and see so, if we get a better spot. So he's coaching what level? He coaches his son's fifth grade team. Uh, Dane told me that uh, his his son, who's very smart, you know, his dad's the coach and he played SEC basketball. That when he has a good game, he wants to ride home with dad, the coach. Okay. And when he doesn't play well, he rides home with mom. That's kind of the way that he's done it. So I think that's uh, you know pretty smart way to go about it. I think we're just going to get Dane on by phone, which will be yes. uh, easier than yeah, Zoom be much as, better. He's, so, as he's driving. So the matchup against Kentucky is this. The prove it matchup for the Wildcats based on the talent and expectation, or is this a typical Calipari good team, not great team, slow start, but they're going to make a run that convinces us, oh, Kentucky is someone to pay attention to when the tournament rolls around. And you know what I'm talking about. They always win a few games, even on a down year in the tournament with the Blue Mist going to town, and they leave you thinking, yeah, I can't, I've got them advancing in my bracket. I think that so if it's the typical Kentucky team that's young and gets better as the season goes on, it would be odd because they're not a typical Kentucky team because they have two veteran leaders in Severe Wheeler and Oscar Shibway, two guys who were all SEC a year ago. Shibway was the National Player of the Year, Naismith, Naismith Award winner for the National Player of the Year. It's coming back. That's a veteran guy. Um, so that's a little bit different. So if they just got with it, and went on a run and started playing great, it'd be pretty remarkable based on, I mean, quite frankly, how bad they've looked this year. Yeah. Their one decent win is against Michigan. I think we've got Dane back on with us, so we'll, we'll bring Dane on now by phone. Dane, we're talking about Kentucky. Uh, tomorrow against Tennessee, this, this feels, I know it's January, it feels like kind of a last-stand opportunity for Kentucky with how bad they've played to go on the road and get a huge win. What do you make of the Wildcats so far? Yeah, that, that would be the only fear I have if I'm a Tennessee fan is, has Kentucky hit rock bottom? Are they going to rally at all and be in desper desperation mode? Because they've, they've, uh, they've got 
more quad four losses than they have quad wins, as I heard point out on a podcast earlier this week. And so um, when you look at what you love about Tennessee, you, you love their, their leadership, their passing ability, their shooting ability, how they defend, their chemistry, how connected they are. Everything I just said is a box you can't check for Kentucky right now. It is a fractured team with low confidence. Um, when they get hit to the mat on the road, they typically don't get up. Um, so to see them not play well at home, especially against the South Carolina team, was certainly alarming. And um, there's just there's a lot of drama there. And Coach Cowles, one of his biggest challenge challenges is to keep the noise outside the locker room from getting inside, because um, those guys come in as highly talented recruits. It, it is a fan base that has that program under a microscope. That's mad at the coach. They're mad at the AD. I mean, you name it. And so it is. And I had this team on their foreign tour in the Bahamas, and it looked every bit like a Final Four team. I questioned whether or not they would be good enough from the perimeter, because that's usually a question mark on the Calipari team. But I thought they'd be elite defensively, and they aren't playing that either. They got killed in ball screen coverage. That includes national player of the year, Oscar Shibway. People are going at him in ball screens. And I don't know if it's because their offensive lack of success is dictating their defensive intensity or what, but um, they, they've got – They've got a big challenge on their hands on the road, and I think it's really important for Tennessee to come out sharp because this is such a fragile team right now that if, if you can give them an early blow, uh, I think you might have them for the rest of the game as opposed to them having confidence going to the locker room at halftime. Yeah, I know you had um, Tennessee and Vanderbilt this week also. Uh, you know, a game Tennessee didn't play great, Dane, and they still found a way to win down two at halftime, but Tennessee shot the ball pretty well, and – when you add that element of they've got good outside shooters, but when they're knocking down open shots from the outside, what is Tennessee ceiling if they're a team that suddenly is making shots this season? Oh, no question they can be a national champion. And they're a contagious team. They feed off each other. That's not a bad thing. It's just what it is. When they see, when they see one of their teammates make a shot, it feeds to the other teammate. And I think having Josiah Jordan-James back in the lineup has helped too. Um, their spacing's good. They can spread you out. I mean, Josiah Jordan James is a guy that he's not he's not going to be first team All SEC, but but he's a versatile defender. And if they go up against some mid major team in March Madness that likes to spread you out and play small ball, you can literally play Josiah Jordan James, who was recruited as a point guard. You could play him at your five if you wanted to. Um, they they do a lot of the stretch four with him, but that's how small they can go. And I think you know we haven't really seen anybody take Tennessee's offense away in terms of just denying passing lanes and making them play one-on-one -on -one. right now they're getting, you know, like 70% of their makes off assist and you can't beat Tennessee that way. You have to, you absolutely have to deny and make those passes and catches tough and see if they can beat you with one-on-one -on -one plays. Cause if Bescovy's going to take you off the bounce and finish at the rim and Ziegler, James, all these guys, if they beat you off one-on-one -on -one plays, you tip their hat to them. But I, I don't think they can for 40 minutes. Um, but easier said than done because they have a crisp, well-oiled machine on the offensive end. And uh, if, if there's one thing that you sit there and say, all right, well, do they have a guy that can just go get you a bucket? Like, hey, 10 seconds left, down one, who are you going to go to? Maybe not, but they do have plays with several counters, and they got five competent players on the court um, that can all make a play, whether it's offensive rebound or get themselves to the free throw line or make the open shot. Dane Bradshaw, our guest, SEC Network Analyst uh, on Outkick 360. Dane, I, I don't know. Have you talked to Cal this week already, or is that happening this evening? 
Um, no, I've not talked to him. Now, I'll be at the game, but this is too big of a matchup. They so, bring in the big dogs, Jay Billis. I, I'll be in row one or section 110 or something like that. Yeah, so, but I, I mean, throughout the season, though, you definitely had chat. I'm curious, like, the, the demeanor of him this week compared to normal weeks where he's selling something. Is he selling something right. or is he just trying to keep the structure standing? Because I think that's a big difference in the perception of the program. But when you rejoined us by phone, I told Chad, I don't know yet if this is a team that gets to an SEC tournament and changes my perception because this is a typical Cal play with the cards with a quote-unquote young team. I don't right. know if he can do that this year. No, and I like he's remained pretty calm. When I've seen him, uh, the last I saw him was right before they, they lost to Missouri on the road. And they were kind of limping into conference play there a little bit. And, um, you know, he was trying to keep, if, if anything, in those shootarounds, he was trying to keep everybody positive. He's like, why aren't we smiling more? Just all these, like, things to try to keep everybody upbeat because they, they lack such rhythm. And there was you could only really point at one, maybe two guys playing with any confidence on that team. And, and, and here's the challenge, guys, is normally if, if, if Kentucky would struggle early in the season, you said, oh, that's fine. Cal will get them playing their best ball at the end. They got a lot of freshmen that are new to school, but – they got lottery picks everywhere. That's not a given now. They're not going to game in, game out, have the most talented player or players on the court. The other team might have the best two to three guys. And I know Sheboy's great, but I'm, I'm speaking more on the perimeter than anything. And so if Kentucky's not going to out-talent you, then they got to outwork you. They got to out-defend you, and they got to outsmart you. And they have not shown the ability to do any of that so far. They're, I don't think they're a high IQ team. Um, they have not shown the ability to play harder than their opponent and, you know, and, and they haven't been committed on the defensive end. That doesn't mean those things can't change, but, uh, you know, right now there, there's a little bit of panic. Dane, I think everyone, all of us would agree, you know, in, in some order, Alabama, Tennessee, one and two in the SEC so far throughout this season, who's number three in your opinion right now? I would still go Arkansas and they could get up to that higher echelon depending on what happens with nick smith jr the most highly touted freshman in the country came in and he was great in their foreign tour he's our leader in the locker room just an absolute warrior and vocal guy so mature and was playing pretty well and then he he, he did start the season when they went to maui because he had some knee issues came back for a few games then went out next thing you know he's in california with his agent doing knee management and you're like oh boy you know where this is going like he ain't coming back. They're going to tell him, you stay right there. Mm-hmm. You only got two months left before you're a lottery pick. There's no reason to risk it. But there there are some rumors coming out of Fayetteville that, hey, he, he might be back in a couple weeks, and when he does come back, he'll be ready to uh, participate 100%. So that's a story to keep an eye on because by February 1st, if he's not back, I, I just don't see him coming back at all this season And um, because Arkansas can defend, and they're, they're well-coached. But they don't have shooters. They don't have a lot of uh, – they need an extra weapon on the offensive end, and Nick Smith can give them that. They had a huge blow at center. They lost a kid, Trevin Brazil, that, that they're just not able to replace his athleticism or stretch five. But with one more superstar freshman, they can, they can hang in there with uh, Tennessee and Alabama. Dane, you're driving to Knoxville because uh, your teammate, Chris Lofton, 
will become only the fifth Tennessee basketball player in history to have his jersey retired. Fitting, it's coming against the Kentucky Wildcats because he's a former Mr. Basketball winner in Kentucky that only had offers, I believe, from Eastern Kentucky and Georgetown College at a, in a different level before going to Tennessee. Two questions. One, how much fun will this reunion be with all your guys from those teams this weekend? And two, what percentage of Chris Lofton threes were you on the floor to see with him in your playing time together? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a blast seeing a bunch of guys and uh, just reminiscing on, on various things on the court, off the court, whatever it might be. Uh, I think he's got over 160 family and friends. I mean, you're talking about a legend out of Maysville, Kentucky. Uh, first time, our old assistant coach on Buzz Peterson's staff tells a story that it's the only player that he's ever gone on the road with that when they did the starting lineup, the other team cheered for him. They said starting <laughs> guard, Maysville, Kentucky, Chris Lofton, and the Rupp Arena fans were on their feet cheering for him. I mean, that's how much of a legend he was before he even got to Tennessee, and we know what legend he became. And, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to be on the court for a lot of those, and a, a lot of them were just kick ahead to Chris or, or dribble handoff. I would just dribble at him and hand him the ball, and he'd shoot behind me. It was, it was one of the best plays we had. Um, but his work ethic was absolutely tireless. And, and when he first came in, he he did not have a good impression on anybody. Just he was rusty. He, he was uncoordinated a little bit. You heard good things, but you're like, man, Mr. Basketball in Kentucky, they must have had a down year. And and it was just and then he just started coming along, coming along, and he earned a starting spot uh to start the season. We went out to the Maui Invitational, and I tell people when I saw it, it really become his team, we were getting waxed by North Carolina in the second half. They had uh they eventually won the national championship. But at th that time, Chad, you'll remember, guys, C.J. Watson at our point, Scooter McFadden at our two, Brandon Crump uh, down low. That was like option A, B, and C, with yeah. Chris kind of being a complimentary piece. And in that second half, everybody was kind of deferring. We were, you know, we were getting run out of the building, and and, and he was like, all right, well, screw it. If y'all aren't going to go at him, I will. <laughs> nobody, none of the lottery picks, nobody on North Carolina's team could stop this dude. And we all left there like, man, he might, he might not only be option A, he might be A, B, C, and D. And and the rest is history. And that was Rashad McCants. Was Raymond Felton on that team also? That was a great yeah, North Carolina and, uh, team. Mar yeah, Marvin Williams, uh, all those guys. It, it didn't matter who was on them. And, and um, you know, he, he's the most – he was humble uh, when before he became a superstar. He was humble after. I've never been around a teammate in my life that uh, was more likable and more people happy for his success. Uh, you're always going to have some little jealousy here and there inside the locker room. When I tell you it was, it was almost non-existent, it, it, it really was when it came to him because he was just, how could you not like the guy? And and I'll tell you real quick, when we got, after Buzz's last year, we got put out of the SEC tournament. And, uh, you know, when you have a bad year, everybody like doesn't want to touch a ball. You're like, man, I'm giving myself a week off, getting my head right. I was like, we're on spring break. I go, I'm going to go down to Destin and just be a college kid, just like I owed it to myself for a few days. And I remember texting with Chris while the tournament was going on. He's like, yeah, I hadn't missed a day in the gym yet. I was like, dang, man, I'm down here partying on the beach, and he's back there getting shots up. I need to get, I need to get back to Doxville and try to catch up. I, I've, never, I've never had a teammate push me more to try to be the hardest worker on the team than that guy. Well, Dane, you were getting shots up, too, just in a different way. Hey, man, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah. Maybe you'll get a few more up this weekend uh, also. Enjoy the reunion, man. I love you, your work on SEC Network, too. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. Thanks, Dave. Same to you. Dane Bradshaw has been our guest. Uh
How many people are worried about today being Friday the 13th? We'll tell you when we come back on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Friday the 13th is today. One in five people are nervous right now, (laughs) according to a study. How many of those five people didn't even know it was Friday the 13th? Because I'm in that category. Same. I didn't even think about it. No idea. So it's an unlucky number. The early myth surrounding the origin of the fear of the number uh, goes back to one of the world's oldest legal documents, the Code of Hammurabi. Yeah. I don't know. Chad abides by this code. Yeah. The Code Uh, of Hammurabi is a big part of my life. The Code of Hammurabi reportedly omitted a 13th law from its list of legal rules. Out of superstition, I have heard of the Code of Hammurabi. I, I joke. Uh, I don't, you know, abide by it or know it, top to bottom. But fifty BC. Yeah, I have. I have heard of this code before. Studied it in some history class long ago when I studied. I don't anymore. Yeah, one in five. Fun show so, today. Don't do be one. nervous, We're people. Sorry. Don't be nervous about Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth happens again in October, and it's happened uh, at least once per year on the calendar. So this is that one day at least where. People are really afraid. Go watch a movie. Go watch a nice Friday the 13th movie. How about that to celebrate? Some good scary movies Or the NFL playoffs this weekend. We'll be recapping that on Monday on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.